Welcome to the second episode of Dwayne's Spin Stop, and we have Hansel Tan here. Hansel, right? Not Hansel, Hansel right? Hansel. If you want to be German about it, you can say Hansel, but it's oh Hansel, Hansel. with a Z. With the with the with uh, umlaut over the A, Hansel. Uh, uh, so I had like a college teacher. Uh, we did like a class called Hansel and Gretel and Co. She, mm -hmm. was, she was going through all, like, all the German fairy tales, and she was very um, particular about like Hansel. You are a Hansel. So <laughs> I, that's my one takeaway from that class. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about what Hansel is up to. Uh, he has a one-man show called Hold These Truths, so more about that later. Uh, it is about um, being Asian, right? It's it's about um, it is about the experience of a specific person in uh, a specific history and a specific time in history um, who goes through some really extreme. Um, discrimination and That's uh, right. nationwide, yeah. Uh, That's what I meant. It came wrong. Well, being Asian, of course, it's well. But yeah, okay. And we're also going to be talking about um, the current, what's happening currently with um, Asian hate crimes. That will be a heavier topic um, to delve into. And we're also going to be talking about new work, which is fun stuff. Hey. Uh, and um, New York specifically, also what Hansel has been supporting or listening to. And um, of course, um, do check out the video description below because there'll be time. There'll be a timestamp to different topics that we're talking about, so you can review the episode. Um, we also have a Telegram channel that we just started. It's like a clubhouse. If you don't know what that's about, we're going to be talking about that with Joanna Dong in an upcoming episode. Um, so you can join the conversation. Uh, also, a quick little plug to um, the folks at Yishu. Uh, thanks again for sponsoring the episode. Um, wonderful clothes. And this is an organic sponsorship, by the way. So I walked up to them. and um, So I'm not being paid to do this, but their clothes are just so lovely. You can't see. Uh, this is like, it celebrates Asian-ness as well. It's like there's some... It feels really nice. <laughs> mother of Pearl type of... Is it like stretchy too? It's stretchy. It's stretchy. Oh it, it, yeah, it is stretchy. Did you say Yishun? Yishu. You, you Yishu, like Yishu with the, ooh, without the, the N. Yishu, right? Yeah. I think I have like a 10-year-old sweater oh, from okay. there. Or like an 8-year-old. I Sidetrack, sidetrack. Right, right. I love their stuff. Oh. It's very nice. They're at um, City Link Mall. I, mean, I always imagine wearing stuff like that to sort of like a... Uh, if I'm in a movie someday and I'm representing, you know, like I'll turn <laughs> you like have been in a movie. We <laughs> went to watch like his re-release of his right. movie. Oh uh, well, but yeah. So like you know, it would be like you know, if I was a crazy rich Asian or something, I would turn up the gala and wear something like you know, proudly representing like your you like your t-shirt, like unapologetically Asian. Twenty dollars. Um, it's wow, really. Yeah, go support. Uh, uh, where where is that? The um, link? I believe it's uh, racism is a virus. Is the, oh wow uh, website? Okay, so we'll put that. See, that's why the video description is so important. But yeah, so you see the undercut of it. It's even pinched up so that there's a curve, um, and I don't know. It's just it's, very, it's very really handsome. cool. Look at that. <laughs> the shirt makes me look good. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, let's get on to some fortune telling. So I want you to oh. to ask uh, the cards or the universe, and this is just in the name of fun. I know this is. This can get very woo-woo, uh, but we're not going to go there. Um, so you're going to choose a deck of cards, either okay. animal cards. Or, <laughs> but animals have a lot of lessons to... Like, everybody, every animal represents a certain quality, I feel. Oh. Like. This is more woo-woo, but it's also more fun because it's so so um, fabulous, you know? <laughs> Mermaids or animals. Wait, wait, why does it say mermaid and dolphins? And here it's like a mermaid and a fairy. Um, <laughs> So the first of all, is gone. it's visually suspect. Yeah. <laughs> dolphin is gone. But because it is so weird, I kind of want to choose this. All right, cool. Okay. That's totally fine. Uh, yeah. The previous guests, Sherilyn and Cairo, have also chosen this. Ooh, so I'm a good company. So you're going to, well, to get to know you a little bit, I guess we, we it's, it's a good way to get to know you by 
first of all, finding out what your question to the universe is, so you can go ahead and ask that question. Oh, this is a lot of pressure. Like, I feel like I have to be serious about the question. You have to like, tune in, right? I have to tune into the higher energy of the universe. Yeah, I mean. Um, so, so you're dear universe, what question should I ask? Um, This is a very heavy question now because I'm I'm about to go back to New York City. Sure. At the end of the month, I think I think my question to the universe is, how should I best be of service to the people around me when I go back? Hmm. Good question. Good question. All right. So just tune into that question, and you can either ask me to stop and then take the top deck, or you can tell me to spread the cards and you can choose one. Stop. That one. All right, that one. Yeah. All right. That one. Cool. Okay, yeah. so just flip over the card and read what it says, and I'll find yeah. a little bit more of a detailed. So it says, "Have faith." Okay. Have faith. Have faith. Your prayers are manifesting. Remain positive and follow your guidance. Right. So Part you... of your work. <laughs> exactly. It's like you're... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and it's a it's a black girl. Incidentally, the new Little Mermaid in the live action is going to be uh, Haley Haley Berry? Haley Berry, but a different Haley Berry, and she's she's going to be Ariel. That's amazing. Um, I think uh, uh, one of the one of the Ariels for one of the most recent tours for uh, the Little Mermaid was an Asian girl. Asian Great! Lady. Wow. Um, Great. Diana Huey, look her up. Diana Huey, she's awesome. Well, it says your good work. You've been asking and praying for some big dreams to come true, and it's working. Just like a gardener who has planted new seeds, you must have faith that your crops will push above the surface, just like that. Uh, keep watering your dreams by taking the steps that make them flourish, and I think you're doing that already very, very well. Wow. This is a precious time for you and your dreams. You don't have to strain or push to make them come true. You've already accomplished a major part of the manifestation by asking and praying uh, and trusting that the heavens will help you, just like... Uh, a best friend would if you ask for their assistance. Your job is to have faith, listen for guidance, and take action when you're guided. So you're asking. So this is this is telling you, yeah, yeah. You're you're, you're wanting to help people. It's telling but this part me is I already you. know what I want and I've been asking for it, and I somehow already actually have, and I have been asking for it. Um, but uh, someday I will be part of this world. <laughs> Great. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This is lovely. Uh, and unfortunately, now we do get into a very relevant, important topic, but also very heavy. Um, we know um, recently uh, there have been a few cases of uh, brutal assaults on... Not just a few, but yes. Yeah. Um, many cases on uh, Asians in, in yes. America. Asian Americans in, in, in America, specifically uh, yeah. in, you know, in New York City and surrounding areas as well. Yeah, it seems to be... I asked my friends uh, about Florida, and they said generally nothing too too bad has happened, uh, but New York Nothing too... So, so, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you pointed that out, because it's, it's, it's a matter of who you ask, and what mm. their worldview, and what their optics are specifically. Right. And so, you know, um, I think one of the most... You know, we've we've all seen these, especially the Straits Times right now has been you know, uh, reproducing a lot of these images um, in their newsfeed. 
but it, it seems that um, you know these these images come out, these videos come out, and a lot of people are like, oh my god, I have no idea that this is America, and the the, the pushback is no, this always has been America. Right. There is a history of violence and hate and discrimination, and you know uh, both in the explicit optical level and the, and the structural level that has always existed there. Mm. Anti race, uh, anti Asian sentiment has always been a part of America, and it has manifested in many, many different ways. And the only thing now is that there are more devices that pick these up. That we see them, and I think also fueled by um, violent rhetoric. You know, there is right. a different kind of permissibility that is um, rampant in American society now. So right. people feel like they're allowed to actually act out on these feelings rather than just call it out. Right, right. All right. Um, but don't you think also that social media has um, pushed it forward a little bit more because social media allows people of the same camp to sort of group together and fuel each other and spur each other on. Absolutely. And you know, I, I think it's really worth remembering that social media isn't a communication tool. It can be. It mm. par it's partially a communication tool. It is set up looking like a communication tool, but at the end of the day, it's an advertising tool. Right. And an echo chamber too, right? It's supposed to be an echo chamber. The whole right, idea right. is that by creating echo chambers of likes and interest, um, users are better targeted by advertisements. So it's better that you get angry and and, um, and form a group and, and you know, form a specific echo chamber of your own likes and interests because that basically um, helps the algorithm and, right. target you better, yep, I feel. Exactly. Um, so um, if you're just sitting here, uh, you're watching us talk about it and you haven't actually seen some videos, I mean, it is pretty brutal, but I would encourage you to go watch it because it really... It really hits you a different way if you've you've seen it like you know firsthand, so to speak. So I will provide some links below. Um, it's just it's trigger just, warning though. Some of these are truly, truly brutal and yeah. very difficult to sit through. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's your, your choice too. But like you know, but just to, to just to know or to feel and why we're talking about this, you know, and why it's so important. Um, uh, why do you feel? So you feel it, it hasn't been dormant, you feel that it's always no, been it's there? No, it's always been there. I mean, like, take my first year of college in, uh, in uh, the Connecticut uh, at Wesleyan University, which is a very, very left-leading liberal campus, and yet, right. you know, somewhere in the middle of Connecticut, you think, uh, this is Americana, you know, people are evolved and have a better view of things, and I'm, of course, I'm, I'm walking um, down the hill trying to get to my dorm. I, I don't think I've told anyone this, actually. Okay. Um, but um, exclusive. A, a truck drives by, and there's some locals in the truck that mm -hmm. don't go to the school. They're clearly here from the, the town itself, and they wind down their windows, and all four of them start screaming out, "Ching, ching, 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 oh, ching, ching, ching!" And they drive by, and I just remember being like, "Wait, did, did that actually happen?" Mm -hmm. I sort of like, and I was sort of the only one in that vicinity. I don't think anyone was actually around to, to catch that incident happening. And so I sort of laughed it up, being like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. But it, it's always stayed with me that the possibility for that um, exploding or, or um, emerging uh, could happen anywhere. Hmm. You know, and uh, it, it starts off as a joke. It starts off as a way of negotiating difference. Right. Um, and then it becomes very quickly a projection screen for a lot of the problems that society faces. Yep. And, you know, it's the, tr the core of racism truly is... Um, I think part of it is, is a sense of powerlessness mm. uh, and um, a lot, I think there's a lot of anger and hatred uh, directed at that powerlessness and that inability to understand where we're heading as a country, where we're heading as a nation, where we're heading as a world, right. a global right. unit, and um, that confusion can, can act out um, mm. on other people uh, if we 
you know, if we're not careful with how we treat the narrative of right. the other. Right. We've seen it time and time and again. Right. It's happened to me too. I mean, just to, to add in really quickly, I've and I remember it so well, and it will stick to me, you know, for the rest of my life because it was just just like you said, it was so unexpected and. I was like, where is this coming from? Um, I was walking, I had a bandana on, and mm. uh, I was walking down the tunnel, uh, down Lincoln Center, and some guy was just saying, hey, Ching Chong Pirate Man, hey, turn around. And I was just like, should I turn around? And I'm like, I'm not turning around, so I just kept walking. And then another time in the neighborhood, um, I was cycling, and I don't know if this was racial, uh, it could have been just, you know, these people on the, the roads, but I was cycling past, and this guy tried to throw me off my bike, but I just like, jumping in front of me and scaring me and like I had to swerve just to avoid it I mean it never happens in Singapore so you know it's just shocking for me I'm like why would somebody do that I'm just more shocked than anything um, the difficult part here is I don't know if we want to get into it too much uh, feel free to you know to, 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 to negotiate ourselves in a, way, <laughs> in a comfortable way yeah. is um, like but would you say the people that targeted you like is there a race a certain race that like you know um like the two people who targeted me were were of, you know, black descent. I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, and so this is just a, a discussion, right? Where we're just I'm just wondering here: is it is it something that is a pattern that we're picking up, or you know, could it have been just anyone? Can I can I ask for more nuance of a question? A pattern picking up in terms of what that is that it, a specific uh, is aggressor a, is of a specific ethnicity or exactly. race? I think I'll be really 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 careful here because of course um, we we were sometimes there is a, there is a tendency to conflate race and ethnicity, and I think the idea of race is such a charged historical topic, culturally uh, and uh, historically. Um, and um, we identify with race in very different ways as part of a larger conversation about who we are and how we fit into the world. And I think what is clear is that America has always had a racism problem. Um, This is not to say racism doesn't exist everywhere else in the world. It does. It's just that it has manifested in a specific way and there's a lot of talk about it. It's sort of like pull the spotlight to itself. Right. right? Um, No, you're right. It's it's, it's culture, not race, right? And why a certain culture has come about is... Is all, there are also many different layers to why that culture yes. has developed. And so I, I just want to jump on that. And I want to say really, really quickly. I think it's it, it's it's could be potentially damaging um, to start pointing fingers uh, at specific races, where all we do is we're just reinforcing a dominant narrative of how race divides us. And so I, ref- as a person, I refuse to let. Um, the narrative of black against Asian hate mm-hmm. divide what is has been you know uh, exactly. a long history of um, black Asian allegiance, and 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 just the word Asian American alone, it's pretty it's a pretty recent term. Um, it's 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 only after I studied the history that I understood it as a term of solidarity and as a term that mm. was created by um, a community, especially around the Bay Area, to bring different um, ethnicities under the Asian umbrella together to fight for rights and to fight for representation, to fight against right. racism, and they were instrumental in really bridging the gap between a lot of you know black activists and Asian American activists. So there is a real. Um, regenerative history to that term right. and I think it tends to get wiped over because of complexity and because history tends to be asymmetrical in the way it reaches us or in right. the way it, it renders itself visible to us right right no I'm glad you tackled it um, you know the, the, the thing is like raising that question um, is good because I feel like a lot of us could be looking at, at it in that direction like where we're, we're wanting to point fingers at a certain you know, demographic. It's the right? easy thing to do. It's easy. Yeah. It's so, a, oh, it's it's the black and white thing to do, and in in some ways, 
you know, it's it's funny you say this because I remember when when the um, when the uh, the Suez Canal boat was the mm -hmm. cargo boat was finally dislodged, there was like a global uh, depression <laughs> because that's something simple and black and white and easy to understand, such as a boat being stuck in a canal, yeah. was now being taken away from us as a focal point. And I think as a global community, I think there is a real need and a want and a desire to go back to easily understandable things right. in, in, in a world where we have to deal with cryptocurrency, where we have to deal with, with um, you know, uh, complicated politics where we have to deal with things that polarize us so greatly because there are no easy right. answers and in some ways pointing fingers black and white Asian that is a, a desire to return to some um, binary narrative that I think we, on some degree a lot of us are need or want because right. things are complicated now yeah. gray is everywhere and we don't know quite how to wrap our heads around it and nor do we have the kind of leadership to show us how to do it yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I am, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, I kind of know where you might have wanted to. But anyhow, uh, so thank you for that. That that really, you know, um, shed some light on how, how we should think. Um, and also um, some thoughts about how we can change our minds about, about how we look at instances of, of these attacks, you know, things like that. Um, all right, so moving on, um, we are going to be talking about uh, your play in a bit, but now about new work. So your your work also falls into that category. It, it, is, a, it, it is a new work, right? Uh, um, well, sort of was it? Oh, no, well, it's really partially like, new, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a play that you, you, but but it's, well, yeah, partially new. Uh, but it's, she is, um, it's she gaining is traction now, it's gaining so traction. it's very exciting. Right. Um, it has been performed all over the United States. We're talking about um, this play but written by Jean Cicada called right. Holy Truths. Truth. And um, she's an actress herself. I she her is up. a wonderful actress uh, of the Los Angeles um, Bay Area variety. Um, she has won many awards, and uh, she was actually commissioned to write this piece for the Mark Taper uh, Asian Writers Forum by a fellow Singaporean-American, Cheyu. Right. So Cheyu's name is also, if you guys don't know, he's, his name is also attached to that. Um, he is a, a brilliant playwright, a brilliant director, and he's been the artistic director of uh, a theater in Chicago for many years. He mm -hmm. just passed it on. Um, but now he's a real um, artist and activist, and so is Jean, who has written this amazing, wonderful uh, one-man show. Wow. Right. So uh, more about that in a bit. But um, first, uh, we're going to be talking about like what new work means to you and your involvement in it and uh, what makes you so excited about it because the last time you were here uh, we were we were listening to some of the new works that you were sharing uh, some were on Spotify but some were on just websites that we will provide links to uh, and Cheryl Tan as well who um, was here was uh, writing lyrics to Monster in the Mirror uh, Cheryl, we were like talking about it. the lyrics it is amazing I've yeah. seen it it's it's only up on a digital platform till tomorrow so go grab a ticket right now. However, if you're with a school, uh, I think you can write into them. It's called Monster in the Mirror. It's a musical uh, by Bite Size uh, Productions. Uh, and it will be running till December 31st at the end of this year. Uh, and school bookings uh, or group bookings are available till May 28th. Yeah. So you can still catch it or you can still write to them. And I'll provide also links below. Support new work. Support new work. All right, so on to new work and some of the things that you've been exploring or been involved in. Can you share with us? Sure, yeah. So I think for some of your viewers who don't know what I do, um, I'm an actor. Um, I'm a performer. Um, I have lived in New York 
for 10 years and in America for 15 years, so I've effectively spent a third of my life as an American now, and uh, two-thirds of my life as a Singaporean, so you can work on my age, I'm not going to say. <laughs> um, but uh, um, apart from the work that I, I am very lucky to get to do uh, on stage in New York and around New York and sometimes internationally, um, uh, a lot of my work is also in the development of new pieces as a performer. And so what we, we call these you know, workshops or we call these uh, readings um, in, in whatever form we take. So uh, a work doesn't just appear on stage, like it goes through a long gestation period. It may differ for different works, it may differ for different countries, but generally in, in New York and around the States, um, you develop a piece for a number of years. I've been involved in a piece, for example, for over 10 years and it's only recently got its premiere. And uh, you start by doing readings of it, meaning you have people at music stands with a script and you say it out loud and the, you know, the writer gets to hear it and re make rewrites. And then you move into workshops where maybe you throw it on its feet, see how the text embodies, um, works with the actors around them, make further rewrites. And you, know, you rinse and repeat until you get to a stage where producers are being like, yeah, we want to throw money at you to bring it on the stage. And then you sort of like pop the champagne and all is good. And then you get into the new work like release period where in, in the four, three or four weeks of rehearsals, you're furiously making rewrites, furiously redoing the piece, rethinking the piece until it gets there. And at a certain point in time when you're happy and it's had its premiere, um, I disappear from the picture and it becomes a work, you know, yeah. so to speak. So uh, as to what I do, um, there are a lot of organizations around um, there are a lot of uh, theater organizations and nonprofits that that help to incubate these new works, uh, be it musicals or actual plays, and so they do look for a lot of actors to come in and collaborate with the playwright to 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 put these words in your bodies and to make active choices um, to show the playwright what they've got and and yeah. to allow the playwright to have the the room to understand and to also respond to what they're hearing and seeing. So it's right. it's really important that they get the opportunity to do so because. You know, you can't just be throwing something on stage. Yeah, Why? no, exactly. I mean, we do that um, with a lot of new work here in Singapore, um, you know, and, uh, well, that's a whole different topic, but uh, it's important to, to workshop it, because even as a writer, when you write something, you're not sure how it's going to, whether it's, it, it works on stage, right? You, and you're, sometimes when you get actors to workshop characters, they you, you understand your characters better, because the actors who themselves have gone through that just that linear path of that character solely has focused on it can tell you can tell the actor the the writer what 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 the character is about so um yeah it's it, it is important um uh and and also specifically work um that represents asians right um there's also quite a bit of new work there yeah um some quite a bit of my the the work that i've done um in the workshop sense uh, has focused um, around the asian american experience and i do know it's it's um almost impossible to talk about the Asian American experience because it's so fractured, it's so diverse. Um, and in some ways to talk about the Asian ex American experience is to talk about the racist version of the Asian American experience facing racism. And right. In the sense that the term Asian American seems to lump a very diverse set of group of people into this one category because we are also seen as such. But that's another story. Um, yes, I have been quite involved in a, a number of these works. Um, not all of them have seen the light of day, but um, I think it's really, really important to bring yourself to the table and your experience at the table when you're doing that to, to also to be able to be a, a counterpoint uh, for what the writers are suggesting precisely because the topic is so important. And I think mm. one thing we want to walk away from is the, um, the rehearsal or the regurgitation of very harmful stereotypes. Um, of the variety that we see, for example, in Mickey Rooney, or you know, a lot of the older um, 
yeah. depictions of Asian Americans on t- television. I think we've come to a point where we we have to grow up from that, and it's useful for us to grow up on that from that. Um, and I think you know, uh, I, I particularly get excited when I see specifically Asian American characters get to be living, breathing, principal humans on stage without mm. a reliance on white centrality, centricity. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically. Great. Yeah. So, can you share with us some of these these works that are? I mean, like very few have seen light of day, like you said. Like, um, well, I mean, like. I wouldn't consider Miss Saigon, you know, completely. I mean, like compare that to Allegiance, right? Like, th- there's there's a whole, or even Thoroughly Modern Millie. I mean, it's not Asian work, but you know, it it kind of doesn't represent Asians in the way that Asians. Yeah. Um, okay. So you know, that's another tangent we can right. talk about. But um, in terms of some of the more exciting things um, I've seen, definitely uh, there is is a composer. Um, and lyricist, uh, he's a one-man show um, called Timothy Huang, mm-hmm. H-U-A-N-G, and uh, he his piece called um, formerly known as um, the Co- uh, formerly known as Cost of Living and now known known as American Morning um, won the Richest Rogers Award I think back in 2016, 17 I want to okay. say, um, and it finally got a workshop production uh, in New York um, two years ago, but. Uh, uh, that's one of the pieces that I've been involved in for uh, almost a decade, trying oh, wow. to workshop, and and so many other pieces that sort of like go in and go out, but um, of my memory, uh, but that's one of the things that comes to mind. Um, also, in my you know in, in the work I've done on stage, I've been also very fortunate to be able to tackle quite a number of um, interesting Asian American characters mm. uh, in in New York as well. One of them being Min Kang's work. Min being a um, composer and playwright uh, in the Bay Area. Um, wrote this piece called The Four Immigrants, uh, an American manga musical. It's, it's so oh, cool. Oh, wow. Um, and it's based on, the source material is taken from um, a bunch of drawings, uh, cartoons made uh-huh. by uh, this individual called Henry, Henry Kiyama, who came to America, a Japanese-American who came to America in the turn of the century. And these these drawings literally were the first manga drawings of him and his friend's life in as first, you know, as as um, immigrant Japanese right. in America in San Francisco, and wow. that was so cool. And he found this, like tucked away in the Berkeley Library, and he went, "Oh, this is a musical," and he wrote the musical, and it, it premiered um, at Theater Works Silicon Valley not too long ago, and uh, we even recorded a cast album. So, right, wow. some of the really cool, exciting things um, that uh, are coming up, and and the and the show is written in a vaudeville musical style, uh, sort of mm-hmm. like the language of the period. Um, with you know the sort of racist language of vaudeville not lost on the composer as well so there are a lot of other uh, um, layers worked wow. into that piece wow I feel like I'm in, in this little bubble and you're so tapped into what's going on out there this is why we have awesome guests like Hansel here I mean like I represent I feel the layman the innocent like what's going on like you know like and and you know I don't guess you should feel it. I think a lot of exciting things are happening in Singapore too and in, sort of like in America you should remember that America is its own little bubble I would go so far to say as the different sections of America are its own little bubble too very little things actually rise True. to become an uh, sort of like a global export nor right. should it but Conversation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so I'm sure um, you'll be sharing us, you know, some of these links to, uh, yeah, to yeah. these, these these different. Have a listen. And, blow you away. Who knows? Yeah, and and of course his Spotify pil- playlist, uh, which uh, you will be curating and will be oh. out. 
hopefully soon enough for you guys. So anyway, I'll be in the video description whether it comes uh, with the episode or not. Um, Which is tough because I don't actually like listen to music in my daily right. life. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm you a want serial killer. I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm that guy who goes to a gym and runs on a treadmill without like any music. I'm, I'm that person. <laughs> right, right. Um, or maybe there won't be a Spotify playlist. I mean, it's really, it's really, you know, this is I'll, I'll figure go with the out. flow here. But I, but do put. Well, I, I might make one just, just from, from what I'm listening to, from what you've shared. I might even curate one if you don't have one to put on to the Spotify playlist. Like the the taxi one was really cool. I like that idea. I like yeah, the music. I'll give a couple of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyhow, let's move on to hold these truths, which you can catch April sixteenth and seventeenth, and this is done by. Hey, this is done by Mesa Productions, which is part of the Hawk uh, Center for Creativity and Acting, or Acting Creativity. That's right. Uh, swap it, and um, it'll be. Uh, so is it Hawk? Okay. Space. It's like the pencil. Hawk. Okay, so this one is Hawk. All right. Hawk. Uh, and it's Hawk. Camille, show. Camille Hawk, right? Camille Hawk. spent yes. also some time in. Did, was he at uh, AMDA? He was at AMDA. So we were where? Alamada. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, sorry, T tell me more about the, the production in itself. Yes, and the um, so, it uh, this is the quote-unquote Singapore premiere of the show. Um, it is a one-man show based on the life and times of Gordon K. Hirabayashi, uh, a Japanese-American, a Nisei, second-generation Japanese-American, that was, um, that was, uh, sentenced, that was imprisoned for resisting, uh, the Japanese-American curfew in the mm. 1940s and um, resisting registration for evacuation where they had camped and interned um, the uh, whole Jap the well most of the Japanese American population uh, in internment camps because of their perceived disloyalty to uh, the United States when um, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor right. so it is a story of basically institutional racism and um, not just one man's fight but his experience attempting to fight the racial injustice and and attempting to figure out what America could be um, that is bigger than all of us, that could hold all of us, that could hold literally these truths that we all are equal mm. um, and uh, made beautiful and perfect under the eyes of our creator. Um, and so, you know, a very timely piece, especially now when we are negotiating, not just as a country, but as a, a global society, on how we want to work and view and live with each other. Right, wow, yeah, very, sounds very important, sounds very relevant. Um, these are such big topics. I mean, I'm, if you want to find out how it all ends, I mean, there has to be some, I guess, resolution or conclusion. It's so hard to wrap up. He dies. <laughs> he dies right. of natural causes. <laughs> That's how it ends. But if you ever are interested to learn more about history, definitely look up um, Gordon K. Hirabayashi. Um, it's a really awesome, interesting thing. Uh, I think there's there are archive recordings of him talking to an interviewer wow. in the 80s so that's really cool to listen to as well but right. definitely a story that we shall hear sounds like you tapped quite a bit into those interviews right as part of your research yes I, I sure did right and where's that available you're saying online just it's online I, I can't remember what, where the collection lies it's one of the universities um, my brain is uh, an old fart right now but if right. you look up Gordon K. Hirabayashi and look up interviews uh, audio files yeah, you'll be able to find it Okay, great. Um, so what? Th this is another thing that this we're just adding on to the episode before we wrap it up. Um, I find this interesting, um, and I, I want to know your thoughts about um, playing different ethnicities, right? So right now we're we're quite we're quite we're quite careful about uh, you know the Simpsons. They've retracted this this white actor from playing the Abu Abu, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but but then there are there are very fine lines, and I feel like you know. So so th does that mean there uh, are very fine lines? A Chinese person cannot play an Amer uh, a Japanese person, uh, or or put on a Japanese accent. Is it less offensive for a Chinese person to put on a Japanese accent, or is it okay just because? All Asians are the same, you know. Like, so where where is that line? This is, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of another delicate question. I love that question. Ask, I love that question because it really like leans into the discomfort and the ambiguity and the complexity of the question at hand. Um, I want to preface this by saying that as um, an actor in the states, uh, I have played actor uh, characters of many different ethnicities. I've played characters of Chinese ethnicities. I've played Filipino characters. I played technically Italian characters. Right. I played a lot of Japanese characters, maybe it's because of the way I look. Um, but, but uh, you know, this, this question, and I've actually sat with this question for a very long time, and I don't think I have an, an eloquent or a, a, a complete answer uh, because um, identity and, and uh, identification with identity is such, is, is such shifting sands. Uh, but I can say that there are two things we can look at this problem. Well, two ways we can look at this problem, right? One is a representation issue, yeah, and one is a labor equity issue. Right. And we tend to conflate these. Let me explain. In terms okay. of representation, representation is important. Meaning that if I go on TV and I see Scarlett Johansson be a Chinese character, I'm be like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, and she's a big meme because she's like taking away all the ethnic characters. Oh, it's like Scarlett Johansson playing all the other ethnic characters again. Um, and I think it's, 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 it's problematic because, uh, you know, we don't get to see ourselves represented on TV, um, at least for America. You know, in Singapore, yeah. I, I understand it's a different problem, but um, it, it's really important, you know, for, for people's, uh, for America's culture to be, and America's complexity to be replicated. Yeah. So yeah. we don't just get that black and white, it's a point in America, because we, you know, we, we, we reproduce what we see, right? What we see um, structures the way we think about the world. And images are extremely, extremely powerful. Uh, on the other hand, um, it is a labor equity issue because um, mm. what happens is that when representation seems to skew continuously white, characters and, and, and works written tends to continually to be skewed completely white, which means that we shut down um, a certain segment of the uh, professional, uh, of professional performers from ever having access to work. And there's a real um, uh, a labor equity issue, specifically in the United States, where, as an actor, your health insurance comes from the number of weeks you work a union contract. Oh, wow. And so it's specifically tied to the amount of work you can get. Right. And you know you have to hit a certain number of weeks uh, of employment in a project to be to qualify for a portion of health insurance. Gosh. And so if the work just simply isn't there based on perceived race or ethnicity, you don't eat, you don't get health insurance. That's that. Um, and so it becomes a labor equity issue. Um, but these things tend to be conflated because as an actor, the, you're meant to step into shoes, the shoes of someone else. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I understand that you, know, you can play anything and everything. Should you? No, some stories are not your stories to tell yeah. because of a labor equity issue as well. And we're saying that there has been, there, it's a true labor equity issue, especially for people in the union who make their living off of doing this. And, um, and I think it'll be a terrible thing to say, well, just because, they're, you know, just because that's the way of the world, you shouldn't do this. You should just like, give up all your training, go into debt, and sort of like, find something else. And then we're going to find ourselves eventually with nothing but white actors and white stories. And is this what we want to 
to preserve. Right. Uh, I don't think that'll be the right way to move forward. And I think we just need to find better ways of being more thoughtful about the process. I yeah. don't have any solutions, but I say yeah. these are some of the things we can um, frame our arguments to talk about them. Yeah. Well, and awareness is, is a start. And thanks for being so insightful. I think uh, you know that's 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 the way forward to have voices like yours. Um, you know, Thank even you. I don't make sense, and like, just talk listening to you, I I I make more sense. I've made more sense of, of the issue itself. So thank you. Was there anything else you wanted to add um, before we wrap up? Um, no, nothing. But th thank you for this wonderful card reading. I feel so <laughs> much at peace now. It's, it's always it's always great to to say hi to you. Um, and I hope it's not another fifteen years before I come back to Singapore. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. I hope you do at least visit so we can have another chat. Oh, uh, I eventually want to chat back to as many guests as I can from the previous uh, episodes, so that we can also see where where they've where they are, you know, at a later point in time in life. All right, thanks, guys. So um, don't forget to share this with friends that you think are, you know need to hear this. Uh, you think it's relevant, and also uh, look forward to more episodes coming up. Thanks so much, Hansel. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. All right, cool.